Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Thank you guys. Yeah, wow. I love this church. And you guys are my family. You're not getting rid of me, so... Yes, I shall return, but who's ready for the word of God today? Yeah? Um, so rare, I have never said this actually ever in my life when giving a message. Not that I've preached a ton, but the, the Lord came to me when I was driving one day in my car. And I just, have you ever felt like God just, when you feel when he enters a room, like the tangibleness I felt like God as I was driving. All I was doing was beholding him as I drove. I was just worshiping him, and all of a sudden, it was like Jesus came in my car and sat down with me. And I wasn't even praying for this service. I was just simply beholding God. And Jesus said to me very clearly, he said, tell my people. Do you want to know what he said? Okay, just make sure you're listening. Jesus said, tell my people to behold the Lamb. And so that's where I got the sermon title from. So just in the sermon title alone, I have obeyed God by telling you to behold the lamb. I feel like this is a word that is a now word for every single one in here today. Every single one of you are not here by accident. God brought you here to hear a word from him. And if you have open hearts, it will transform your life. I believe this is a transformative word but in transformation, it can be painful sometimes. So there also might be some cutting away, but we need to have open hearts. So I want you to put your hand on your heart today. And I want you, if you're bold enough to pray this prayer with me, pray it after me, okay? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I trust you to speak to me anything that you want to transform my life today and every day speak to me God let me see you clearly in Jesus name amen amen and I pray that for my life too I don't want to be up here saying that I have it all together I need to be transformed from glory to glory as well amen all right, so the verse I want to start with is John 1, 29. And it says this. This is John the Baptist. And I think it's so fitting that God would have me bring this word to you today because I honestly feel like it's the call on my life is to tell people to behold Jesus. And it's actually the call of every Christian's life. And so I so relate with John the Baptist when he sees Jesus coming towards him and he says this. He says what? Behold. Guys, there's an exclamation mark. He's not even just saying, oh, behold, you know. He's saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it's this proclamation. It's this declaration. It's not just some simple phrase that he's saying. But he's saying, you must behold the Lamb. You must behold Jesus. You look unto him. Right? This is the call. This is the mandate of our lives as Christians. 
And it's the mandate of us to behold him, and it's the mandate of us to cry out to others to behold him. And I want to tell you why. I want to read verse John 3, 14 through 16. We're going to be in the Word today, guys. So you can get your Bible app, go to Encounter Church Under Events. All the verses are there. All right, so John 3, 13 through 16 says, No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man, who is Jesus, has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And I want to tell you where that came from. That comes from in Numbers 21, 8 through 9. It says, then the Lord told him to Moses, right? Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who were bitten, so they were being bitten by these snakes, these poisonous snakes, and they were dying. So many people were dying. And so God tells Moses, make a replica of a poisonous snake, attach it to a pole. All who were bitten will live if they simply look at it. And so go back to John 3. This is what it references, right, to Jesus. It says, the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. That's the verses that come before, for this is how God loved the world. So God loved the world that he gave, his only begotten Son, right? That this is the scripture that comes before it, the importance And I believe that it says Jesus having to be lifted up is talking about the cross. Just as the snake was on a pole, Jesus had to be lifted up on a cross. And we must see him on the cross. And we must point to others to see him on the cross. I believe that's why John the Baptist says, behold the lamb. Because the lamb was the sacrifice. We must behold him as the sacrifice for our sins. And we must point to others to say, hey, look, you must behold him as the sacrifice for your sin. This is so important. You know, in Isaiah 45, 22, it says, look to me. This is God speaking. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. See the importance of looking and seeing God. There's transformation power when you see God. John 6, 40. For it is my Father's will that all who what? See his Son. son And believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. So my first point to you is the importance of us as Christians of pointing people to Jesus. So that they must see him. The importance of God saying we must see him. We must look at him. And why? I want to tell you, I found something interesting. There's such transformation power of beholding that even the New York Times published an article on it. I don't know if you guys realize this. Have you ever noticed people who have been married for a long time, they look alike? You know, sometimes we think that couples look good together because they look similar, because it just becomes a thing, right? Have you ever noticed that? Well, the New York Times actually wrote an article, and it's titled this, Long Married Couples Do Look Alike, Study Finds. And it says that this doctor, I can't even pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try to. He's a psychologist at the University of Michigan, said people often unconsciously mimic the facial expressions of their spouse 
And over the years, sharing the same expressions, it shapes their face similarly. Isn't that interesting? The power of beholding, right? You look at someone long enough. Have you ever noticed you start to do the same expressions? I think it's interesting. I have friends, and they've adopted two babies, okay? Awesome couple, love them. You would never know those kids are adopted. They have, like, the same face. It's so interesting. But there is transformative power in Beholding, you become what you look like. It's interesting that science caught up to what the scriptures already said. You know, Paul said that as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are changed into his very own image from glory to glory. So let's read 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being what? Into what? The same image. The same image of what? The glory of the Lord. And then what does it say? We go from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. But I dare to wonder how many of us in here today feel like we're not really going from glory to glory. I mean, I know there's times in my life where I'm like, yeah, I can say I'm going from glory to glory, hallelujah. But in actuality, nothing in me is looking more like Jesus. I mean, how many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll keep you from that. I'm sure there's only like one or two anyways. No. That would say that right now, if you looked at your life over the past even six months, have you moved from glory to glory in Jesus? Have you started this transformative process where every day you're becoming more like him? Looking more like him? I want you to tell you a secret. The enemy uses the same tricks all the time, right? This is one of his biggest weapons. And it's simple. This is a very simple word, by the way. It's so simple, I love it, but it changes our lives. But the enemy's tactic is to keep you looking at yourself. Why? Because then you stay in yourself. Right? People, they'll feel bad. You can feel bad, like condemnation. He'll make you feel so condemned for your sin, so condemned for your addiction, so condemned for whatever it is that you know that's not like Jesus. And he'll keep you looking at it for you trying to strive to change it. And you might make a discipline for maybe a week. I don't know, maybe you make it to 21 days. I don't know how disciplined you can work yourself up to be. But it's not really lasting change, and it's not really changing your life. That on the outside, you may look different for a little while, but the sin on the inside is not being removed. Why? Because you're just beholding sin. People often say that they end up doing what their parents did that they said they would never do. Why? Because they focus so much on not wanting to do what their parents did, and they beheld it so long that then they became it. This is real. And so what in your life are you looking at that needs to change and you're trying to change it yourself? And Jesus is coming to tell you today, he's saying, hey, if you would just behold me, I've got that covered. Because behold, I'm the Lamb of God that takes away the sin. Right? Not you. It's Jesus. 
So I want to ask you, how do you behold the lamb? we got to get practical, right? I have four ways. One, I bet you can guess it. We talk about it like every Sunday. Somehow it comes up. Does anyone want to guess? Daily Bible reading. Yes. Meditate on the word of God. Why? Because Jesus is the word. But I have a warning here. If you read it just to get some head knowledge, it will not change your life. The Pharisees memorized the word of God. And they couldn't even recognize God when he came. You can have all the knowledge you want, but unless you read the word to know God, and I'm telling you, Jesus is the same in Genesis as Revelation, Old Testament, and you, and you can behold him through the whole thing. If your attitude and heart posture when you read is to see him. So my encouragement to you is don't just read the word to check it off, and I read the word, and I'm doing my Christian daily thing. But read the word to behold the Lamb of God, to get to know the God of the word, to worship God. This, okay, if you are facing temptation in your life or some trial, this is an immediate breakthrough thing. Worship. It is so powerful. Why? Because it takes your eyes off you. It takes your eyes off the world, off of what's going on, right? And it puts them on him. And it's like the atmosphere shifts. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. There is this peace. There is joy. There is love. There are all the things that he is because you're beholding him. So worship God. Three, pray. Talk to God. Isn't that a concept? No. We overcomplicate this, guys. You know, I have a great relationship and friendship with my friend Nicole, who drove from Alabama, who's here today. Yeah. But our, our friendship would have no depth at all if I never talked to her. Right? If we never talk to him and we never listen to what he has to say for the now, that's called prayer, communing with God, then our relationship with him is, is not very deep. It's more like we know about him, but we don't know him. All right, now that number four, I'm going to really sit on this one for a second. I, I was going to put in there, like, sit with God, but this is seek his face because there's so many verses about seeking the face of God. Why? Why do I want to focus on this one? Let me tell you why. Because you can listen to the word on your phone, on an app, in your car, and check it off for the day. You can worship God in your car and be going about many things. And boom, I'm worshiping God. And those, these things are great, guys. You can pray. I can commune with God and pray and talk to him through everything. Even when I'm with, say I'm with Becca and we're hanging out having coffee, I can still be talking to God, right? But there's a thing of seeking his face. It's where it's nothing else matters. You go into a room, you close the door or a closet, doesn't matter. You get on your face before the almighty God and you just, you don't even ask him for things. You just, God, I want to see you. I'm telling you guys, if you can get this, it will change your life. If you can get to where you make even 15 minutes a day and out of 24 hours, I really hope you can find 15 minutes, okay? Okay. Because you prioritize what's important to you. 
okay? But if you can find 15 minutes to isolate yourself from anything else and you don't go with an agenda with requests and, well, God, what about the promises you've made me and what about the dreams you've given me in my heart and what about this and what about my family and what about my finances and what about, what about, what about? And you just say, God, I am here for you. I just want to be with you. I just want to see you. It will change your life because in those moments, he actually, those are the moments when God comes to me and he's like dealing with me on things I didn't even know I needed to be dealt with. He's like, you know, Felicia, I am this. And it's like meeting some thing in my heart that I didn't know that truth about that I needed. And it's taking away worry in my life. And he's like, I I know more of what you need than you do. If you just behold me, I'll, I'll come and I'll meet you there. I wish I would have known this when I first got saved. You know? I mean, this is a way to go from glory to glory. You know, David says in Psalm 27, 8, it says that God actually came to David and said, David, seek my face. Why did God have to do that? Probably because David stopped going after the face of God. And we can love God, and we can be in the word, and we can be praying for things, and believing for God to do big things. We can be, you know, obeying the best we can. But then there's this thing where it's so easy for us to miss the face of God for the hand of God. We miss the face of God for the hand of God. And that's actually something that the Lord showed me was a thing here. Some of you today, and I've done this in my own life, I'm not coming here to condemn anyone, but what I'm doing is I'm bringing a message to change your focus because you have went from the face of God and knowing God to the hand of God and the blessing of God. And God is, has a holy invitation. That's what I feel like this is. There's a holy invitation for you to behold him and to know him intimately. It's amazing. It's the kindness of God. And you know David's response to when God told him that? Later in Psalm 27, he said, I shall seek your face, Lord. As in, he took the holy invitation of God coming to him and saying, seek my face, David. And David said, your face, O Lord, I will seek. It'll be the one thing that I'm after in my life. This one thing I seek I don't seek promotion, I don't seek blessing, I don't seek a platform, I don't seek influence, I seek the face of God. I'm telling you, if there was a people who lived with that kind of heart, the revival that would hit this place. But it's only with that will we see it. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we quote this verse so many times. I see it all over social media. How many of you in here agree that our land needs a revival? It's crazy. 2 Corinthians 7, 14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Right? We've heard this. And then it says, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin, and will restore their land. It's a powerful verse. But you know, I noticed that repentance is all up in there. Because there's turning from the wicked ways, but what do, what do we turn to when we turn from our wicked ways? 
we turn to his face. It's like, God, I no longer am after my sinful pleasures. I'm after you. I'm no longer after my own agenda. I'm after you. He says, if you will seek his face and turn from your wicked ways, he's going to come and heal our land. This is powerful. And if our land isn't being healed right now, it's because the church isn't doing this right now. Because he said, if my people who were called by my name, there is a call to do this on the church today. We desperately need this. I think the future of America is in the hands of the church and whether or not they will answer this call. I really do. So, warning, there is power in beholding, right? And so since there's power in beholding, we can behold Jesus and be transformed into Jesus, or we can behold the world and be transformed into the world. There's no middle ground. You're beholding something. You're beholding something. Matthew 5, 28. Jesus said this, he said, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus, some people say, took the Ten Commandments to a whole nother level on the Sermon on the Mount. But I don't think so. I think he revealed to us what the Ten Commandments really were. And I want to, you can leave that on the screen actually, because I want to make a connection to looking and sin with cancer. Because here, Jesus is saying, whoever looks at a woman to lust for has already committed adultery within his heart, because what you behold, you become, right? And so Jesus is saying, hey, this is where you're letting the cancer of sin in in your life, when you behold, when you look as to lust. I mean, this is amazing. This isn't like, ouch, God, you're just being like harsh, This is like, thank you, Jesus, you're showing me where the sin begins. You know? I got sunscreen for Africa, 100 SPF. The African heat is intense. When I was there for for three weeks in Tanzania, I wore sunscreen every day. Every day, right? Why? Because I was protecting my skin from the harmful rays of the sun, which could give me cancer, right? Skin cancer. That's why I wore sunscreen every day. And I didn't want to turn red and blister and, you know? I wanted protection. Well, I got back, and I got to notice it was a recall from my sunscreen because it has a carcinogen in my sunscreen that I lathered on myself every day for three weeks. I'm like, I never want to buy from that company again. I'm cutting it out because it's a possibility that it could bring cancer to me. I wasn't like, well, I wonder how much sunscreen I can continue to apply Before the carcinogen in the sunscreen gives me cancer. But we do this with our spiritual walk. Right? It's not how much cancer can I have, God, before it actually impacts the way I live my life. Before it actually kills me. But there's cancer in here today that God's wanting to cut out of your life. He's wanting to cut it. Why? Because it's killing you. Cancer, what is it? Cancer is deadly, right? We, we all hate cancer. We should all hate sin. It's the same. Cancer are cells that no longer look like what they should look like. And that's what sin does to you. Sin in our lives transforms us into something God didn't even create us to be anyways. Because he created us in his image and he is holy. 
without sin. But so many times we live our lives with how much of this can I have in my life? I'm not actually, you know, having sex outside of marriage, but I am looking at women, but that's okay. I'm not stealing anything, but man, I really want what they have, like a lot. I mean, there are things in our lives that God wants to deal with today. And he wants to cut them out. And I'm thankful he wants to cut them out. You know, I, I used to watch a TV show called Blue Bloods. It's about to get real. Um, I just liked it. And I was praying to God, though, because God is not easily angered, and he's abounding in love. And so in my quiet time with the Lord, I was like, God, I thank you that you make me not easily angered and abounding in love. I want to be like you, Jesus. Literally, sincerity from my heart, praying those prayers. And then I would go watch Blue Bloods that has this character Danny in it. If you know what I'm talking about, he is like rage-filled Danny, easily angered, right? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, why are you beholding the very thing for entertainment that you want to cut out of your life? Ouch. Let me tell you, I no longer watch that show. I'm not condemning you if you do, but I want you guys to think. What are you coming into agreement with and in alignment with with your entertainment? Okay. I'm going to read this to you. The American Psychiatric Association says that by age 18, guys, this should like grieve our hearts, okay? It says this. It says... By age 18, a U.S. youth will have seen 16,000 simulated murders, 200,000 acts of violence. Is it any wonder that over 1,000 studies, including one by the Surgeon General as far back as 1972, has shown a connection between media violence and aggressive behavior in children? What we're watching at home Guys, what are we coming into agreement with? What is the next generation that we're believing for a revival for beholding? People become what they set their minds, hearts, and eyes on. What do you think the consequences of the avalanche of images that glorify drug use, gang activity, sexual aggression, gambling, and etc. are having on the church? I love you guys. <laughs> but we've got to wake up. I mean, our hearts are to love Jesus. I know you're here because you love Jesus and you want to be the church. But we've got to come out of the world. It's killing us. It really is. We've got to cut out cancer. The sin, just like Job and David did. Job 31.1 said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why? He got this, guys. He understood something. David in Psalm 101 said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Wow, if we would say that. Signs that you're beholding the wrong things. A big one is identity issues. Today, the world is flooded with the LGBT agenda, and that agenda is from hell. Yeah. 
it is to confuse your identity. If you are struggling with who God made you to be as a wonderful son or daughter of him made in his image, then you, my friend, have beheld the wrong things. And you're currently beholding the wrong things. If you are easily angered, if you struggle with anger, what are you beholding? If lustful thoughts are a problem for you, and this is massive because the media and the entertainment world is filled with lust. I am so shocked at what marketing uses image-wise to promote a normal product. It It is full of this. And if I see it on my social media platforms, I immediately block it. And if, you, if you're my friend and I love you and you post something that aren't good for my eyes, it's not good for me, I'm, I, I unfollow you. I don't unfriend you. I love you. But I will not see your stuff on my feed. Because I am putting a guard up. It says at the end times the church will have lust. And that there'll be false teachers who are full of lust. I'm putting a guard up against this one. If you have hate or bitterness or unforgiveness towards anyone, you're beholding the wrong thing because that's not what Jesus is like. Covetousness and greed, I'm telling you, Jesus is generous. And if you're not generous, you're probably not beholding him well. And this last one, I'm going to ask RJ to go ahead and come back, but this last one is the biggest one to me for you today. This last one is that you're not really in love with Jesus. That when you hear his name, you're not moved on the inside anymore. Like maybe you once were. I was listening to a song yesterday and it was like, what would I be without Jesus? And I just started weeping because what would I be without Jesus? But have you lost that tenderness to his name? Do we say we love God, but in our hearts we feel nothing towards him? I found myself one day telling the Lord, I said, I don't know, I was just beholding him and all of a sudden it came out of my mouth. It just said, God, I love you with an eternal love. And I just kept saying it, and it was because he was filling me with his eternal love. He wants to fill you with an eternal love for him today, because he eternally loves you. But you can't be filled unless you behold him. You know, I want to make this ending statement. I want to talk about gifts versus fruit, because gifts are from the outside and they're given, and fruit is conceived on the inside. And at the, at the end, when people stand before Jesus, many will say, I've done all these things because I've operated in your gifts, right? I've done all these things for you, Jesus. And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me. That verse brings the fear of God to me. And I want you to know that maybe you read that verse and you think, well, I know Jesus. That verse isn't talking about a head knowledge of God because even the devils know him. In the Greek, that actual translation of that word is to know him intimately, like Adam knew Eve. It's like this intimate knowing you knew him. It's like I could say that I know President Biden because I know of him, but I don't really know him. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. And many people will go to him in the gifts 
and say, I did all this for you, Jesus. And he's like, I never knew you. And you never really knew me. I don't want any of us to be there. You know, the fruit of the Spirit only grows within those who are beholding the glory of the Lord. I want to read Galatians 5, 19 through 25, if we have it. We follow the desires of, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Look at this list, guys. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. How about jealousy? Anyone struggle with that? Outbursts of anger. Ooh, here's a good one. Selfish ambition. Dissension, division. Envy. Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Here's the warning of the Lord, my friends. It says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's go through that list again. Can we go back one? Here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. I think a big one the enemy uses in the church is division and dissension. Envy, that's a good one too. Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And my friends, you live that life by beholding that life. That's what happens when we behold the world. We become like the world. We stay in it. Or when we behold ourselves. How about that one? God help us. But look at this good news. But the Holy Spirit, who does it? Oh, it's so freeing. You know, Jesus actually is the author and finisher of our faith. It's him that does it all. We just behold him. Our job's easy, guys. We're just missing the mark on it. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let's read it together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Hallelujah. This is the life we're called to live. And this is the life everyone can and must live. And I'm telling you, you don't have to strive for it. You don't have to have a checklist to earn it. All you have to do is get on your face before God. Seek his face. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sins. It'll transform your life. I'm going to ask you all to stand, but I'm going to ask that you just stay where you are. There's not a lot of moving. Because God has made clear his invitation to us today. But it's time that we respond to that invitation. And some of you in here today might be like, wow, I don't think I've ever beheld Jesus. And I've never really seen him. 
and I've never received the full sacrifice that he's made for my sin. And you need to give your life to Jesus today. I'm telling you what, my friends, if you do this today, you don't get a better life, you get a brand new life. It's so good. A brand new life where then you can behold him every day and go from glory to glory to glory, being transformed into the very image of the one you were created in the image of. It's so good. And if that's you here today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. That is the biggest miracle. I don't even understand how fully it works, but I know it does because he says it and I've seen it and I've lived it. And if you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you need to surrender your life to him today, or maybe you have before and you're living completely in sin because you've beheld the world too long and you've forgotten his face and you need to rededicate your life in your pursuit of Jesus to actually be a follower of Jesus, then I want you just to lift your hand. If that's you, I see you. Praise God. Is there anyone else? I see you. That's awesome. Praise God. Today is a new day for you, my friend. I see you. And you know what? I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and come to the altar. It's going to be prophetic. You're leaving your old life behind. You're leaving your sin behind, and you're coming to Jesus. And you're going to meet him at this altar. He's already waiting for you. He loves you. He's calling you back to himself. Praise God. Anyone else? I'm telling you, Jesus will meet you right here and transform you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And you know what? I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer today. And it's not the prayer that saves you. It's Jesus. And it's not the words that he listens to that saves you, but it's your heart. And so today, this has to be prayed from your heart. You have to mean it with all that you are. And actually, I want us all to pray this prayer. I resurrender my life every day to the Lord. So if we all could pray this prayer after me, that would be wonderful. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. God, I am sorry for all of my sin. I have gone my own way for far too long. But I turn today to you, Jesus. And I receive the price you paid for me. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my eyes. Let me behold you, Lord, all the days of my life. Transform me from glory to glory. And fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I see the Lord restoring identities right now. You are a son 
You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are in the family of God now. Your identity, who he created you be, to be from the very beginning is restored right now. Can we give God praise for that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, and my friends, this next part will determine if Kennesaw will be shaken for Jesus by this church. There's a revivalist. He said the depth of our repentance will determine the depth of our revival. I'm going to say it again. The depth of our repentance will determine the depth of our revival. And I believe that through this message, God has spoken to many of your hearts. Wanting to cut away things out of your life that's killing you. And because he wants to bring life and restoration. And I believe Psalm 119 should be our prayer today. If you're willing to come forth and pray it. It says, turn my eyes from worthless things and revive me through your word. And if there are things that you need to have your eyes turned from today, I'm gonna ask you to come to this altar. Come to the Lord and pray this prayer. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me, oh God. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me with your word. Thank you, Jesus. This is between you and him. I'm going to let you pray that prayer to him. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.